Welcome to Counterculture Parents. I'm Kurt Bruner, your host, and thanks for listening. So just imagine that you've poured yourself a cup of coffee or gotten yourself a cup of tea and have sat down at the table to listen into a conversation with Brent and Annika Jackson. As you'll hear, they're a family that has made some rather countercultural choices over the years with their children. They may be different choices than you've made, but it's always encouraging to hear other couples describe their journey as they've attempted to raise children who stand out rather than just fit in. And so now here's Cindy Hawks and Olivia Bruner interviewing Brent and Annika Jackson. Well, Olivia, yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. I'm really looking forward to the couple that we're going to talk to today. I've known them for a long time, and they have uh, really given their lives to following Jesus and investing in the ton of children that they have. So a ton of I like, children. Oh, <laughs> ton. wow. They're right up there with you and me, huh? Yeah, yeah. They passed. Well, they haven't passed y'all. They've passed okay. us. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> That's awesome. So anyway, this is Brent and Annika Jackson, and I'd love for y'all welcome, and I'd love for y'all to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. Like you said, I'm Brent and Annika Jackson. I've uh, been married to my bride for almost 29 years, starting, uh, well, I guess it will be 29 years in December. And we have five kids. Uh, our oldest and our youngest are girls, and we have three boys in the middle. So Sarah's 27, and then Seth is 24, Zane's 23, and Hayden is 20, and then the baby, Grace, is 18. No longer a baby. Yep, she yeah. just graduated, so we're officially empty nesters as of uh, August when she went off to college. Well, as y'all know, because you're very involved in this at our local church, we are talking about being countercultural parents. We call it courageous parenting uh, around our group of people. And the Jacksons are significant leaders in this area. But, you know, we're encouraging families to consider these four courageous choices of directing their children's spiritual formation, steering their education, guiding their media habits and nurturing their sexual wholeness. Those are pretty countercultural choices these days. And we would just love to hear with all your children. And I just know how you've invested in them. I would love for y'all to talk about your family nights that you created with your, with your kids. I have sure. loved hearing about that. And that's, that's pretty countercultural. It's really fun. But I don't know many families that did it as intentionally as y'all have. We did it for several years. And you're right. We built, uh, Annika and I would meet. We would plan the session out. Uh, sometimes it would just be pretty small. But other times we would plan out a whole month's or six weeks worth that were all tied to a single group of verses. We always started with a fun activity that tied to it. And then we tried to tie a biblical story to whatever portion of the verse we were we were learning. You know, so if we were learning, you know, Philippians two, two through five, we would break that up over a six week period, memorize it as a family and different methods and and then we would tie Bible verses, I mean Bible stories to those portions of the verse and have activities, fun activities. Uh, whether it's games or obstacle courses or egg toss, or we had one whole series where they had to keep a, a hard boiled egg as a 
you know, have, see if you can keep it from getting cracked for a week. And I mean, all for sorts gentleness. of fun things. For gentleness. We were kind of nice. So we, we had a lot of fun with it. The kids loved it. It was a good time. So, so did anybody crack their egg? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. The boy broke <laughs> in half. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I would say that it was what we picked, like the verse that we picked was centered around a time that we would spend praying about what are the things in that we either want our family to be known for and or what are the areas that the kids need to work on. I think that's interesting because I'm listening to you guys right now and I'm thinking about the family and the couple out there who doesn't feel equipped to come up with those ideas on their own. And the good news is there are a lot of ideas out there now for families Mm -hmm. to do this kind of thing. There's a whole series um, that actually Kurt and I did, Family Night Tool Chest series Mm -hmm. that just has all sorts of ideas to do this kind of thing. And I think that's part of it. It's hard to be counterculture when you're so busy and you don't have time. You'd like to do something like this, but you don't even know where to start. Yep. There's a lot out there these days. But if you want to share your curriculum with all of us (laughs) and uh, (laughs) they actually have it kind of packaged. Yeah. Yeah. We will be sharing. Well, as you're thinking about uh, other countercultural choices that y'all made, are there any others that come to mind as, as significant ones? Sure. I think one that would probably be in technology area. I mean, Mm -hmm. I actually work for a phone company. So it was, you know, you see when smartphones come along, everybody was getting these and, but we chose not to do that for our kids. And we actually gave them dumb phones. Those were hard to find though. So we did that. And then when they became seniors, we would, we would give them a smartphone. We would just, we just wanted them to be mature enough to be able to handle that. And then even when we did provide it, we put them, you know, safeguards around it as well. Uh, and I would say one area that and not only even with the dumb phones and the smartphones, we tried to build a trust and relationship with our kids that if we were open books and we could talk about anything for them. They couldn't have their phones in their rooms at night. Their phones, we had to, we always knew their passwords. They knew that we could read it at any time. They could just have that open relationship and trust. I wouldn't say it was always accepted that yeah. way. No, Uh, because there was a few times, you know, we could tell they deleted a text here or something like that. It's not like we were checking it every night or anything, but we just had that trust there. And so eventually, though, they accepted that and we could have an open conversation and relationship about those things as opposed to, you know, hiding it or or not knowing what's going on. You know, they realized that we were doing it to protect them and to also to uh, make sure that they don't go down some of the pitfalls of that those kind of technologies can bring. And when we started this, like the the oldest was in middle school and there weren't smartphones. But by the time Grace being the baby, nine years later, smartphones had been out for a while and most of her friends were, were getting them by like, most of them had them in fifth grade. Even mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. And so she, you know, she wants like her siblings too. And the, and the baby, like, why do I have to wait? And so she really, really wanted one, like more so than any of the other kids. Cause the boys were kind of like, eh, you know, I mean, they wanted them until they got them and then they couldn't even text you. Right. That, that they were, <laughs> that they were someplace. Um, he was really wanting one. And we, we just, did not we were like no and later through the experience of all of her friends having one and going out and she would play basketball and they'd have a tournament and everybody's sitting 
you know, at dinner and they're all pulling their phones out and Grace is sitting there not engaged because she doesn't have her phone, but she started talking to the adults. And so <laughs> she would hold on conversations with the adults. And then it was, it was later that after she got, she was like, I am really glad that I didn't have one. She said, I wasn't caught up then in all of the, you know, the social, so she didn't have social media when they were, her friends did. And, and she said, I could focus on other things. And she became more conscious of other people and having Mm. conversations with other people. I mean, that is very counterculture, that decision you guys made. And I think we can say that today it's even more counterculture than it was when your last daughter was having that conversation with you. Today, everybody has them. So that was huge. And I think that your insights, you guys, on the fact that your kids are saying, I'm so glad you made that decision is going to be encouraging to families who are making hard decisions you know, and their kids are coming home and saying, I'm the only one at the table that doesn't have one. Right. Yes. So you're encouraging them to say, hey, they're going to look back and they're going to be glad and they're going to be thankful. And I think the other big piece that you said was that we did it all in a relational context. So you didn't just say no, you did it in relationship with her, right? You explained right. to her, you talked with her. Um, we used to tell our daughter, you will have one someday. Right. So that you don't have, you know, <laughs> this, you'll have a phone someday. Right. So you're giving that, that encouragement with, are there any other of those counterculture choices that your kids have come back to you and said, we're so glad you guys did this that you haven't mentioned yet? I think one of the things that we did, and I don't hear very much of it out there, but we, we made it a point to celebrate spiritual birthdays whenever they came to trust Christ, we would put it in the calendar. Although I will say a couple of them, I told them later, I'm like, I don't think your date is exactly. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. So I'm like, oh no, but my third and fourth, I would have to totally guess. <laughs> so I just picked like a date and I was like, cause it was in kindergarten. And I remember you coming home and that, you know, but yeah, that's awesome. That date. And then every year, cause I'm like, we do, life celebrations, right? I would give them a little gift and it was normally a devotional or just even a, a nonfiction, but Christian book, a series, something to celebrate. Sometimes it was Mm. a journal so they could do their, their devos or if they needed a new devotional, sometimes with the girls, it was um, a charm. And now it's kind of morphed into a prayer. I pray over them for the year and then I'll send them that prayer, but just to kind of mark and, and bringing that to remembrance and yeah. encouraging the growth. And I, I don't know if this is counterculture or not, but we would have open, difficult discussions. There really wasn't a taboo subject and because we wanted to work through things with them. We didn't want them to think that we knew all the answers always either. So we would try to point them to the Bible. We would look it up and try to find and, and just going through difficult topics looking at different views, but then going back what, you know, what's God's view on it. So in a specific example, you know, it could be gay marriage was passed for an example. We would have those discussions. And even though they went to a private Christian school, they had friends that had different views than what we would consider biblical views. So we would have those open discussions and then go back and, and look at scripture to, to kind of go through those. 
having those discussions and, and not being afraid of those discussions. Were there any times that y'all came at it from different perspectives from your kids where they were really pushing back on what you were thinking? I would say, yeah, yeah. say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I mean, the one that really comes to mind is when our strong-willed one. We only have one? Don't we remain nameless. Wow, that's a miracle. One <laughs> out of five. Well, he's the strongest. There <laughs> <Okay>. we <laughs> go. give him that one. Um, he really got into rap music. Yeah. He had just gotten an AirPod, and it was one of those things that we were like, okay, but we we need to know what you're putting on the AirPod and right. and we would listen, you know, to the songs and then he would go toe to toe with us on different Oh, he would have a, an entire like, you know, lawyer argument and lay out all of his pros and cons <laughs> particular artist or particular song and and or it's the clean version. And I'm like, if you know it's a clean version. Yes, I remember <laughs> saying that exact thing. If there has to be a clean version, there's a problem. That's right, yes. exactly. He's the one who said later having those kinds of conversations because he is so strong-willed and he needed to know the why. And he would say, mm-hmm. you always came back to God's truth and saying this is why from God's perspective that we don't like that. No, it's still, and then it took a lot of prayer. I was praying to help him see the truth of what that is doing, that it tears down women, that that's not glorifying to God. And his attitude was completely different when he listened to it too. And we're like, you can't have this attitude in this house. Oh, like you noticed a shift. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. I know just from knowing y'all that I feel like all your kids were pretty athletic and they were involved in athletics and Brent, you coached and all that. Talk to us about how you navigated the whole athletics and activities and and all of that. It was sometimes difficult with all of us uh, participating. You know, it was a it was something that they enjoyed doing. And it was something that from my perspective, because I coached my kids and, and I know not everyone has that option, but in many ways, we made it family events. So it wasn't mm. just going one person going off here, one person person going off there. The toughest part was probably one year we had multiple t- people playing basketball, basketball at the school. And <laughs> that became a little difficult. But one of the things that I always appreciated about my parents is they were always there for my events. And mm-hmm. so we made that a priority for ours as well, that we tried to attend. Of course, I was there most of the time because I was coaching. But and just trying to make it where family support each other. And one of the things we always did was made church the priority. So if there ever was a conflict, that won over any activity. I'm going to ask you guys about another one of our courageous choices. Can you give us one or two counterculture choices you made when it comes to nurturing their sexual wholeness? I know you talked about your discussions that you'd have around the table, but what about like giving them a picture for marriage and parenting and approaching the age of, of saying, okay, what does God have for me in that, in that way and who I am as a man and a woman? Did you have any specific decisions you made that you were really happy with there? The number one that we did was passport to purity with all of the kids where we spent a weekend getting away and speaking specifically about dating and marriage. And we also did, though, biblical manhood and biblical womanhood through our church. With your kids? With our kids. Having them go through that. And then there were times that we both did um, like 
morning kind of Bible studies with our kids before, like for breakfast, before they went to school. And so sometimes those studies would address those issues specifically. I think it's also but with each other, you know, we, we made a priority to show a strong relationship that marriage is important. The most important relationship in our family was my wife. And, you know, so if there was any conflict or anything like that, that was the priority and, and make sure we had time for each other as well. And just to kind of go back a little bit on a convention, passport to purity and, and biblical manhood and womanhood, the passport to purity, if you're not familiar with it, I took the boys, Annika took the girls for a weekend. We would do a big celebration type uh, weekend. We would go get in a hotel. Uh, we would go through the material and it talks about them going through puberty, them, um, you know, the dating relationship and how that can, you know, cause uh, you to be attached to someone It was the purpose of dating and become, you know, what marriage, the, the whole intent of becoming married at some point. And then we do a big celebration. I think I took, you know, one of the boys to uh, medieval times, I think in Dallas was one of them and, you know, different, different based on what they would consider really cool and fun. And Annika did the same with the girls. And for those from a biblical manhood, womanhood, I took the boys and it was, and went through that material with them. Just what the Bible says about being a man, about, you know, our role in, in marriage and uh, just in society. You know, our, our kids now are coming out of college. They're having their own careers. And, uh, you know, we keep asking when we're going to have grandkids. So far, it's <laughs> not there yet. But, uh, we got to get them married first. So. <laughs> Y'all talked a little bit already about asking your kids what they perceived as beneficial to them that y'all did as parents. As you look at their lives as young adults now, what are some of the benefits that you see of making some of the choices that you did? And if something comes to your mind, is there anything that like, I really wish we would have done this? I would say being intentional and incarnational um, and having them like alongside us is probably the number one thing in prayer. You can be intentional and you can walk aside them and you can set up all these things, but ultimately they have a free will to choose to go a different path, you know? So at different times in their life, when I would kind of see them struggling as they got older, it really became a focus in my prayer. God, be very real mm. to them, you know, as they're going through this struggle so that they they know that he is, you know, with them and they can trust him. Prayer is probably the number one thing. And then, and then living it out. And like I said, we're not going to be perfect, but as we mess up, then being doing transparent, the same, yeah. showing the biblical model of saying, we're sorry, you know, we're sorry we messed stuff will you forgive us because we're not perfect beings either just like you aren't and we're learning and growing as much as possible if you're telling your kids to do x y and z you need to be living it and showing them the way did you guys ever pray the prayer lord please help me be aware of something if they're doing something that i need to know oh, yes and i did oh yeah <laughs> Oh, yes. And then like, boom, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was always so beautiful because I would say to them, no, you don't understand. I've been praying that the Lord would, would bring this to be, you know, and they would have such relief, whatever it was that they were not telling me or not telling us or, 
you know, going through or hiding or, or starting the process of hiding something. Yeah. And all of a sudden we would find it or we revealed something to us and they would just be relieved. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I'm so glad you know. But then I would just tell them, well, I was praying about it. So, yes. yeah. So when you think of some of the choices that y'all made, were there any ones that you felt like you were getting pushback more from the culture? I mean, our kids worked when they became 16, they started working and they worked in um, a lot of different jobs and things. So they were exposed to a lot of things <laughs> and yeah, yeah. they would sometimes get some uh, pushback from there and, and maybe teased a little bit in some instances. Annika, you may have an example. Well, I was going to say, we also wouldn't let them, we wouldn't let them work on a Sunday. Right. So that yeah. they had to go to their boss and tell them, you know, when they're signing up, the good thing is, we tried to instill them a work ethic that was biblical. You know, initially the bosses didn't like that, but after a while they kept asking them, you know, every summer come back and work. Can you keep working the school year? And they understand not to work on Sundays. So just establishing that pattern early in their life. And, but yeah, initially that wasn't, wasn't uh, excited about it because they wanted to work all weekend as opposed to just. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so even though they'd say that, then they would find themselves on a schedule. Right. Yeah. So then then they have have to go go in and. Oh, they would assign them anyway. So they had to keep going back and having the conversation. Yes. So you should have just told them all get a job at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've never had to work on Sundays. (laughs) Uh, So you guys, let me, let me just make sure you, that your children were in pub. All of them were in private school, the entire education, right? We took it one year at a time and with five kids, that's a, it's a big commitment. So we started out as a small commitment with one and then it kept (laughs) growing. Right. So, you know, Annika did homeschool one year and then uh, to our youngest two, and then she started working for the same school. And and so we were able to get all five in, but I'm one, uh, and Annika will tell you, I've grown a lot in this area because I'm kind of a natural worrier. You know, I would like to have everything planned and know exactly how it's all going to work out. And I just couldn't do that in this instance. So every year we would pray, whether it was through financial aid through the school or a bonus of it was unexpected, or we also made a lot of sacrifices. I think I mm-hmm. told some folks yesterday that we didn't have any furniture in our big den area for like <laughs> 10 years and which was great because it was a great play area for the kids yes you know? we called it our formal playroom that's right that's right <laughs> they are never going to look back and say oh mom and dad <laughs> yeah. why did you not put furniture in that room like no, they, they loved there. it they loved it yeah. we played tackle football in that area so i just even now still our cars are 20 years old and you know we just but the kids now don't know how to help fix cars and stuff so yeah. We made sacrifices because we thought it was important. And we know not private school is not for everyone. But in this particular case, we knew this is where God wanted our kids to be. You know, I grew up in public school, so I always assumed they were going to go to public school. But then after we went and interviewed all the different public schools and interviewed some of the private schools, this felt like the right spot for our kids. And I didn't know how we were going to do it, but God did. And, and I think that's the encouraging part. If God calls you a particular type of education, don't limit him. Don't put God in a box because he can make it happen. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good place to land, actually, that no matter what choice you're making and no matter what counterculture choice you're making, if you've prayed about it and you feel strongly that God is asking you to do this, he's going to meet those needs and he's going to be there with, with you as you make them and go with your gut. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing, what everyone else is thinking. Push through that feeling, which is what you guys really had to do. Hey, we've loved talking to y'all today. Yeah. I would love it 
as we're closing. Brent, if you would just close us by praying for for other parents who might feel discouraged or stressed as they're facing these courageous choices and that they would have the faith and the courage to to lean into them. Sure will. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to have a discussion about uh, courageous choices. And I just ask that for those that may be going through similar decisions or difficult discussions even, I just pray, Father, that you would just lift them up and that you would help them and guide them, that you would give them wisdom and also faith to trust in you and to know your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. During that conversation, the Jacksons mentioned family night activities. And if you want to learn more about family nights, I encourage you to go back and listen to the very first episode of this podcast titled Let's Get Started. And you can also go to the notes section of this podcast episode to find links so that you can get ideas if you want to begin that routine in your home. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Counterculture Parents is brought to you in part by DryFaithHome.com. We help churches reach and disciple busy families. If you appreciate this podcast, then I encourage you to support your local church, which is your most important reinforcing community.